Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast, episode 51. We've got our CS special. This is Bradley Burrows. And you're with Paul Spain, coming at you direct from Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, at the Consumer Electronics Show 2012. Wow, day two for you right now. How's it been going? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's amazing. What I don't know what what day it is actually. This is sort of the <laughs> uh, I guess the first full day of um, of CES since it opened to uh, open to industry. Um, and yeah, we, we'll um, yeah. There's a whole, a whole lot going on. Of course, you know, uh, listeners probably would have caught uh, episodes 49 and, and 50, which covered the the opening keynote and some of the press events and uh the 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 startup um event that we went to and so on so um yeah i hope i hope people enjoyed that but yeah right now um we're 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 coming through with some of the things from our our first day really on the show floor so just for our listeners out there what's the size and the scale of this thing i mean i'm hearing some big numbers of like 50 to 60,000 people at this event is that what you're seeing from your side oh, there's masses of people uh i mean we've heard figures bandied around of 140,000 plus people wow We'll hear at the end of the week just just how big it ends up it ends up being. Um, but yeah, they're, they're saying that there's uh, a lot more stands from last year. Over, I think over three thousand um, firms exhibiting. Um, you know, four or five thousand uh, press here, and then all the industry you know people that that turn up. And you know, there are there are the the, the likes of some of the New Zealand sort of big uh, electronics retailers that are. That are here as well, um, and and of course people that, that represent that sort of retail side and distribution side from um, uh, technology and, and retail firms right around the world. Now, obviously, attending this event is a lot of media, and you over there as a media person, you've managed to interview some, I suppose, celebrities of the our podcasting world that we live in right now. Um, now, who have you managed to catch up with? So yeah, well, well yeah, I've met met with a, uh, a bunch of people uh, today, and there's. Some other ones that I'm planning to uh, t- planning to or hoping to catch up with uh, over the next few days. Um, so yeah, first up, um, quite early on in in the day, uh, managed to sp- spend a few minutes with uh, Tom Merritt from uh, from the Twit Network, and he's you know he works uh, alongside Leo Laporte there at uh, at Twit, and and is one of the more uh, uh, well known people in. Uh, podcast broadcasting, I suppose, and yeah, it was good just to just to um, hear a little bit from him about what he uh, what he does, the podcast that he works on, and uh, his initial impressions of uh, of CES. Okay, let's cut over to the interview now. Right now, I'm with uh, Tom Merritt from the Twit Network. Now, uh, Tom, you're probably one of the most uh, prolific podcasters in in the world right now. You're doing a uh, well, a range of shows, really, for for Twit, and uh, you know, including daily shows. Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, the shows you're 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 doing for uh, Twit and have been doing for the last year or so? Sure. Uh, the main show I do is called Tech News Today. It's a daily roundup of all the tech news uh, discussion, a little high, you know, little bits, highlights, bits, and, and whatnot. Uh, I also do a show called Frame Rate, which is about cord cutting, uh, getting television off the internet and watching it on your television. Uh, I do a show called Forecast, which is just kind of a conversation about what we think the future will be like. Kind of ranges all over the place. I do a show with Leo Laporte called Triangulation, where we sit down with uh, some of the more interesting people in in the tech industry. 
industry and, and get their opinions on stuff. It's kind of a wide-ranging conversation. I do a show called Tech History Today, which is a real short daily look at what happened on that day in history. And then outside of Twit, I do a science fiction and fantasy podcast called Sword and Laser. Uh, I do an appearance on The Morning Stream with Scott Johnson called Current Geek. Uh, and, I, and I do a crazy podcast called FSL Tonight, which is a uh, made-up fantasy sports league of science fiction and fantasy teams. Wow, that that's a really uh, really impressive lineup. I don't know how do you find the time to, uh, to to fit that all in. You must be working more than a forty hour week. I've got to say, I actually forgot one. Uh, I do East meets West with Roger Chang. It's like an ex- experimental podcast. Uh, you know, the thing is, I like doing them. I, I I started doing a lot of these in my spare time uh, when I was working at CNET, just as a change of pace. And uh, yeah, it's a, you know it's a time management uh, issue trying to get it all together. But I don't do. Th- them alone. I have co-hosts, and and at Twit, you know, we have a full studio with producers and staff, uh, so that helps a lot. But yeah, I think the main thing is I just enjoy doing all the content. Great. Well, and that's the same reason we do the the NZ Tech podcast too. Uh, you know, it's something we got into because we, we enjoy this. We're reading about it and studying it all the time, and we wanted to, uh, I guess, put something together uh, that had a local element to it as, as well. Um, now, here at uh, at CES, you've got a, a big space here, and you're recording a lot of a lot of podcasts over the uh, over the few days. What um, from what you've seen so far? What what are the highlights, and also what are the more obscure things that you've found? Uh, found interesting uh, because there probably haven't been so many huge announcements this year. Yeah, it's, everything is centered around three main trends. Uh, connected televisions, so everybody's trying to talk about how they're going to get internet uh, TV onto the television. Uh, tablets, as we expected, everybody's got a new take on a tablet. Uh, and Ultrabooks, which is Intel's definition for a MacBook Air-like uh, Windows-based machine. And really nothing has blown me away. Nothing has stood out. We were talking a little bit before we started here. Probably the best thing we've seen is a 55-inch OLED from LG, but then there's also uh, large OLEDs from Samsung and Sharp as well. So, uh, you know, uh, that's an advance in technology. It means you can get higher resolution. So instead of 1080p, you can do a 4K resolution. I think LG's calling it Ultra HD. Uh, But but that's just a display technology advance. We're not seeing new form factors, at least nothing that isn't just kind of a take on an old one. Uh, one of the more interesting ones is the Lenovo Yoga, which is a, uh, a small-looking laptop. It's not technically an Ultrabook, but it looks similar. And then you just keep bending the screen back all the way past the breaking point, and it's a tablet. Uh, and it turns off the keyboard on the back. But again, we've seen convertible laptops before. That's just a nicer, more elegant take on it. Uh, the HP Envy Spectre is a, probably the prettiest Ultrabook I've seen. It's got Gorilla Glass uh, on the uh, on the on the. Uh, the keypad right in front of the keypad so it's it doesn't stain as much uh they say it'll allow your wi-fi signal to be better because it's you know glass transmits wi-fi i'm not sure how much that's really going to make a difference but it is gorgeous uh and, and that's that's kind of the the taste of what we've seen everything's like a little neater a little prettier nothing revolutionary so, do you think CES is, is really going to, uh, you know, go through a, uh, uh, an evolutionary change to become something that is more focused on uh, the small vendors, more a place where they can get their word out to the press that are uh, that are here in attendance and the, the retailers and and uh, and so on? Of course, we've got Microsoft that you know this is really their their, their last full year. Uh, they had their keynote last night, of which you know there was virtually nothing announced, and they they had said that up front, other than probably the 
two-way TV. I think that was the first time I saw it. But, um, yeah, what's your take on, on that and the direction of the Consumer Electronics Show going forward? Yeah, we've seen the the CES, uh, you know, move over the years from being white goods to kind of taking up the Comdex uh, mantle and becoming more about computers, and now that's sort of fading into mobile. Uh, but the idea of the Consumer Electronics Show is the retailers come, find out what they're going to order for the coming year and place their orders. And as long as retailers need to place orders, whether they're in brick-and-mortar stores on the Internet, I think there's going to be a need for CES. What Microsoft's doing, I think, is more uh, what Google does, which Google doesn't have a booth. Google doesn't have a, a keynote announcement, but Google is here in droves because they're in all of the products. Uh, and I think Microsoft realizes, yeah, we've got the Xbox, yeah, we've got you know, we've got the uh, a few products here and there, but this we're really not about getting orders for the coming year. So let's just be at the show in everything. We'll be in the laptops, we'll be in the phones, we'll we'll be in the services that we provide. And and I think they're taking that strategy. So uh, as far as CES evolving, I I see it evolving along the product lines that people want. And we're in that lull where nobody has, cre- you know, since the tablet, nobody's created a new product category, and that's why we're not really seeing anything that blows us away. Yeah, and I guess there's also that uh, move to be a little bit more secretive. You know, we've got Microsoft, for instance, who are really locking things down around Windows 8. They're not, you know, they're not really, they're not really talking. And in fact, they're talking to a lot of staff internally. Uh, they don't even have access to the upcoming beta yet. In many cases, uh, you know, this is a change. Where in the past we were hearing about things, you know, well in advance. All the detail was out there. It was shared. Uh, what, why do you think we're seeing that change from Microsoft and, and from others in this in this space? Well, I, the other thing uh, about Microsoft leaving CES is they realize they can control their message. You don't need, with the internet, to gather everyone in Las Vegas to be able to tell people about stuff, right? You just, you just call a press conference in Redmond, it gets live blogged and streamed around the world. So you can control when the stuff comes out. And, and Microsoft's being both the most open and the most closed at the same time they've ever been. Uh, putting out the device developers preview to everyone was a risky move because it got a lot of criticism from people who didn't understand how developer versions of software worked. But yet at the same time, you're right, they're holding the next version very closely every time. So now we have the beta version. That's it. Everybody can get access to it, but we're not going to find out a peep about what's coming next unless Sanofsky blogs it. So looking forward uh, this year, have you got any sort of predictions ahead of, of things that you're, you're expecting to see or things that you're uh, looking forward to in, in the technology space? Yeah, I, I made a bunch of predictions at our year-end show on uh, Tech News Today, and I already think most of them are wrong. I, I don't think we're going to see an Apple TV this year. I think that's going to be two years out. I don't think we're going to see anybody really crack that problem this year. I think uh, we're seeing a lot of people trying here at CES, but Internet-connected TV is still uh, at least two years off from becoming a mainstream uh, thing. I don't think Ultrabooks are going to catch on very well. I, I really don't. Uh, you may see a couple of models sell marginally well, but that's that's a uh, that's a. I think it's going to be less successful than the netbook was, and then it's going to fade out. I, I really I know people need keyboards, but I, I just don't see any of these capturing the imagination the way like a tablet has. Uh, and I think we'll we'll probably see um, an Android tablet finally rise to the fore. I don't think it will beat the iPad. I don't think we're going to see an iPad killer that everybody's talking about, but I think that that will get better. 
That's the best I can do right off the top of my head. Okay, and uh, and in the Microsoft space, of course, we've got Windows 8 that's coming out, uh, targeting you know tablets as well as PCs and laptops, and of course uh, Nokia here, uh, who are, you know re- really re-entering the smartphone market in the US. How do you think those uh, those two things are going to go throughout the year? I, th- I think both sides will be able to claim victory with Windows Phone. Microsoft is going to increase sales. How could they not? From five percent of the market, and they're going to point to whatever it is. If it goes to ten percent, it's a doubling, and they'll make a big deal about that and call it a success. Uh, I don't think, however, that that they're going to be able to eat away anything significant from iOS or Android. And so both those sides will be able to say, ah, see, it's irrelevant. We're still growing. We're, we're still amazing. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think it'll be a failure, but, but it's going to take a while for Microsoft to build back that market. I think Windows 8, I really don't know where it's going to go. I, I have a feeling that the tablet side of things might do well in the enterprise space, uh, but I don't know that people are going to, in the consumer side, go in droves to a Windows 8-based tablet. And I think on the desktop, it's probably not, it's going to be better received than Vista, but it's sort of going to be like Vista in that there's not going to be a big reason to adopt it if you're running Windows 7. Okay, that's great. Hey, thanks very much for your time, Tom. Uh, appreciate you uh, taking the time out to uh, join us here on the NZ Tech Podcast. And, uh, yeah, we encourage our listeners to, uh, to check out some of, uh, some of your podcasts if they haven't heard them already. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, so good, uh, good there to, uh, to chat with, uh, with Tom Merritt. Um, soon after catching up with Tom, I caught up with uh, Ed Bott. Now, Ed is uh, is really really interesting. I think you'll enjoy this. He's been involved in uh, in media for a very long time. Uh, came to uh, some of the very early uh, CES events, going back some you know thirty odd years. He's a bit of a historian, from what I've sort of searched on Bing for around him. He's 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 been around a long time, hasn't he? Yeah, and he was involved obviously in the print media and in the t- in the tech space. You know, editing some of the biggest um you know pc and technology magazines in the u.s where you know where their subscriber bases were um you know heading up towards the the population of 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 some countries just wow. the subscribers to these magazines so uh yeah someone who's who's certainly carried a uh a lot of influence over the years uh ed, ed bot um currently with ZDNet. so uh um let's let's dive in and um and hear that chat Right now, I'm with uh, Ed Bott from uh, ZDNet. Uh, Ed, you've been uh, reporting on uh, on technology and Microsoft for a long time. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background and about your your history with coming to uh, uh, coming to CES? I understand you've been coming here for uh, for decades. Uh, I think my first CES was in 1978 or 1979, and they didn't have any computers at CES back then. It was all car stereos and hi-fi equipment and really a fun thing for a a 20-something-year-old cub reporter to do. Uh, But this year is uh, the first one I've been to since 2009. Last one was at 2009, so three years later, here I am again. Cool. So, uh, what what's changed for you in that uh, that three year gap? Looking looking and uh, and maybe you know further back as well. I think the biggest thing, just walking around the show floor today, is uh, the difference between 2009 and 2012 is the proliferation of mobile devices. 
everyone has a smartphone. Everyone's walking around staring at their smartphone and uh, and trying not to bump into one another. Um, but also everyone is using their smartphone as a camera replacement, uh, taking pictures left and right, um, and generally getting you know good enough pictures to use for you know whatever purpose they have in mind. And the other thing that surprised me this time and that literally was not possible three years ago in 2009 is I've seen people walking around with uh, a lot of iPads uh, and a few Samsung Galaxy Notes, uh, some of them even mounted on tripods, using them as uh, basically professional video cameras, recording interviews, um, doing the sorts of things that people used to use a camcorder for. So, I mean, that's just a huge shift in technology is all those handheld devices that basically they either didn't exist or they were big clunky things three years ago. Yeah, that certainly must be uh, must be quite a big big change. Come, you know, it's quite interesting having uh, having been in the past and then be able to uh, come back and actually pick those pick those differences. Now, your focus, sort of reporting wise, has uh, you know for some time has been around the sort of the Microsoft type uh, uh, products. And at this show, we're not seeing a whole lot of announcements, but you know, Microsoft is, I guess, showing uh, or continuing to show off some of their existing uh, things. What are what are the uh, things that you you think Microsoft has has done a good job of uh, of presenting, and, and and what are those that you think that they should maybe be telling a bit more of a story about. Well, this is an awkward uh, time, literally, for Microsoft because they're they're uh, right smack in between product delivery cycles. So the the most interesting thing that that they've already delivered that you can see in the booth downstairs from where we're sitting right now is uh, the whole Xbox Connect uh, combination, which you know people see that and you know their eyes open wide and uh, and and they start moving and jumping around and and dancing and. And it's, and it's a lot of fun to see people's reaction to uh, connect for the first time. Um, but it's also, it, it's a technology that a lot of the people at this show already at least know about. They might be seeing it for the first time, but they know about it, so it isn't new to them. Then, then the other side of the equation for Microsoft is the product that they're going to release in, you know, maybe it's six months from now, maybe it's eight months from now, which is Windows 8. Um, and, but they've been talking about that. They've had you know their developers preview out for a little while, but they're not going to have a beta out until next month. So they can they can show off some stuff about their upcoming product, and they can try and build a little excitement for it. But uh, but they can't really talk about the things that they that would get people excited until next month. So the timing for this show for Microsoft is is just unfortunate. It's you know it, it they they got a bunch of stuff that people already know about and a bunch of stuff that they can't talk about yet. So that's 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 kind of awkward for them. Now, the one thing that they do have here uh, that people are see- people like me are seeing for the first time is the, uh, the, the, the first shipment of phones from Nokia. Uh, and that's a big partnership with Microsoft, and they're going to put uh, literally hundreds of millions of dollars into their advertising and promotion budget for this year to try and push those phones out into the market and to make a dent with Win- Windows Phone. So it's been, it's been fun to actually get my hands on some of those devices for the first time. 
Great. Now, one of the things that I've noticed is the um, just the massive press that are attending some of some of the events, and I think that's a reflection of the the change that's going on in the media uh, as we move more into digital media. We've got bloggers and uh, podcasters and so like myself. Um, there are obviously you know still the um, the full time professional um, professionals such as yourself that have been you know working in the industry for uh, for a long time. What are the things that you, that you you've noticed that have changed you know, I was reading um, uh, through on, on your bio and reading about uh, when you were, you were editor of uh, I think it was PC World and you had over a million paying subscribers that, the, the whole models are changing uh, how are you finding that working in, in a changing industry it, it must be uh, fascinating but a, but a little bit uh, scary at the same time uh, well, change is a good thing, uh, and and uh, the ability to adapt when you're covering technology is something you 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 just better be able to do that, uh, or or you're not going to last very long in this business. I, I think the probably the biggest change that I've seen in you know from twenty from ten or twenty years ago when I was working on print magazines until now is that I don't have layers of editors anymore. Um, I don't have an editor assigning me topics, uh, although there might be somebody to suggest that I look at something. Uh, I don't, and when I write something, um, it doesn't go to somebody else who then fact checks it and copy edits it. I click the, the publish button myself. And, um, and, that's, and, and that's, of course, what my peers are doing as well. And so there's a good side and a bad side to that. The good side to that is that um, we get news very, very quickly. And uh, and so if something happens, you're going to know about it, and you're going to get a variety of different uh, voices on it. The bad news is uh, that there maybe isn't as much variety in those voices as there should be. A lot of people are simply repeating what they heard from you know the first guy they read or the or the biggest source that they read, and so you get a, a lot of occasions where a story comes out there that um, that isn't true or it has some key fact that's wrong in it and, and sets the wrong tone. But after 100 people write about it in a, in a one-hour period, um, you know, it's very hard to, to walk that story back, as they say. So you know, our, our immediate news culture has, uh, has created this opportunity for things to get out there um, that, that in an in a older time, you know, back when I didn't have as much gray hair as I do now, um, might have been fact-checked and, and might have been more thoughtful. But you know, things change. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah. I guess in in order to to find the stories that maybe um, have a have a uh, a higher chance of of being accurate, then I guess we still have to go to the professional news sources such as ZDNet. But um, yeah, it's interesting to hear that a, that a lot of those layers that would have been there for a, for a print story in the in the past have uh, have sort of you know. Um, Moved out of the uh, moved out of the mix. Um, now, now back to CES. I'm curious. Um, you know, there are there are obviously the big vendors here. Have you come across any sort of smaller vendors or more obscure products that you found uh, uh, found interesting here to date? Well, I've had, you know, the show just opened about an hour ago, uh, although I did have a bunch of meetings yesterday. Um, and I've got some meetings with some fairly promising uh, companies coming up on the schedule. Um, but, you know, there's nothing, nothing I've seen yet that has absolutely knocked my socks off. 
so you know, so so we'll see. We're, you know, we're at an interesting time in in technology, and I think one of the things about this CES is that you look around, and of course, it's the consumer electronics show, right? And and the company right now that pretty much defines consumer electronics is Apple. And, and, and so you can see some beautiful design that's being influenced by uh, what, what Apple has been doing. And you can see people that are, that are sort of following in the, um, in the Apple ecosystem. But it's taking some of that diversity away. So what I'm, what I'm hoping to see in the next couple days is to, to try and get out outside of that design bubble and, and see if there's people who are, are um, you know, innovating in places that necessarily don't involve Cupertino. Excellent, all right, that's great. Hey, thanks very much, uh, Ed, for your time. It's been my pleasure, Paul. Good meeting you. Wow, it's like listening to a piece of history there, wasn't it? He's uh, an amazing guy to sort of, I could spend hours talking to him, putting it frankly, you know what I'm like. Yeah, no, it, it, it was fun and, uh, you know, good good to get some insights on, uh, you know, on where where, uh, where things might go as well and, it, you know, it, um, you know, with CES having been around for so long, you know, I guess some people sort of writing it off and saying, "Oh, this this event is over." Um, you know, with Microsoft leaving it and 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 others and so on. But um, you know, if it's got that sort of history, there's there's a pretty good chance I would say that's going to be around for yeah another five, maybe ten years. At, at you know, at least, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, everyone wrote off CES about four or five years ago anyway, when there was the downturn in the economy, everything was going, starting to get a bit pear-shaped, and it seems to have rebounded. I mean, from what we were talking about earlier on, you know, there's a, there's 140-plus thousand, we're waiting for final numbers to, to come out, and obviously its its ecosystem still exists, whether Microsoft's there or not there. There's technology everywhere. In episode 50, we talked around, you know, rechargeable bags and, and waterproof things for your phone, so I think the ecosystem Ecosystems going to be solid, and Microsoft will still be there at some point. And yeah, I think it'll survive many, many years to come. So, Paul, at the Consumer and Electronics Show, it's not all just about technologies and gadgets, is it? No, um, no. CES sort of covers all sorts of consumer-related um, electronics and 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 technology. And what we've seen in recent years is. That's that's now starting to include the uh, the automakers. So we're starting to see a lot of uh, cars on the show floor, and there there were I mean we saw prototypes and just all sorts of cool stuff from the likes of Mercedes, uh, Audi, Ford, Kia. You know, so they're, they're, there's a whole bunch of stuff to see. And, I mean, really interesting. Some of these cars are just cool. Some of them were just a, a section of the car that you could actually uh, jump into. Other ones let you try out some of the, uh, you know, other bits and pieces of technology. I'll, I'll try and get some of those photos together to put up on the NZ Tech Podcast site because some of them were just cool. If you're into, if you're into cars, off the hook. Now, something quite interesting that happened at this one, and you know, anyone that knows sort of the U.S. auto industry knows that it's all centered around Detroit, right? Oh, yeah. That's that's where uh, that's where 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 uh, where everything happens in the U.S. Well, traditionally, that's where the, the big uh, car launches have been in the U.S. too. Now, what's happening is there's the big uh, auto industry event uh, coming up next week, but 
here at CS this year, we had Ford launch their 2013 Ford Fusion Energy, which is a bit of a coup because usually that would not be at an electronics event. So it's a bit of a reflection of where Ford and the audio industry is is going in terms of the importance they play on technology uh, in in their vehicles now. So the Ford Fusion will be called the Ford Mondeo in New Zealand, and obviously you got to test drive a 2012 Ford Mondeo from Ford New Zealand, which we tested out the technology. So you did you get a chance to have a bit of a, a look around the um, Ford Fusion in the US at all? Yes, yeah, so I had a little bit of a look, and uh, what what they're showing off is uh, you know this is this is going to have the uh, the newest versions of their Ford uh, My Touch touch screen stuff, and um, also the Ford uh, Sync which is the Microsoft uh, technology that gives them voice control, um, you know, uh, navigation and tying into your smartphone. And on top of all of this, they're starting to add some some app platforms. And, um, you know, I'm going to try uh, over the next couple of days to... Um, uh, to chat with with one of the tech guys a little bit more about uh, about some of that stuff, um, but the uh, the cool thing that I that I got to do today was uh, was to have a have a quick chat with with the CEO of Ford and uh, and just just chat to him uh, about what's happening. And it's a bit of an exclusive for a lot of people because he's a sought after man and and you were lucky enough again to be a Jamie sod and get a really amazing interview. Yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was a bit of a privilege to be able to chat with uh, with Alan Mulally and uh, yeah, let's jump into that one. How are you? How are you? Great to meet you. You're Alan. from New Zealand? Yes, I am. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Um, been been uh, trying out some of your products in New Zealand. Uh, just intro this. Uh, this is Paul Spain from the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm here with Alan Mulally, uh, the CEO of uh, Ford Motor Company. Now, Alan, very exciting to see your uh, the Ford Fusion uh, uh, Energy launch today. Great to see you guys are really pushing the technology. Where do you see uh, technology uh, playing a role in Ford's future going forward? Well, absolutely. It's a very exciting development because not only are we launching a new car, but we're almost launching a whole new customer experience. Because when you uh, when you purchase a Ford vehicle with Sync and My Ford Touch, that means that you are seamlessly connected to the internet. We're using your smart device. Your hands are on the wheel. Your eyes are on the road. And you have removed the distractions, yet you're connected to our wired world. Great. So how, how do you keep up with that challenge of keeping Ford ahead of the other, uh, the other players in the auto industry? You seem to have done a good job over the last few years. How are you going to do that as they, uh, as they try and chase you and, and match the features you've been offering recently? Well, we took a point of view about what's really important to the customer. And no matter what size vehicle, they want the finest quality and fuel efficiency and safety and really smart design. So we have been partnering with all of the innovators around the world, Google, Microsoft, Apple, Pandora, all of them, so that we, we manage the interface, we manage the experience and the driving experience, but we use everybody's technical innovation. Excellent, that sounds like a, a smart way to operate. Very good. Thank you very much for your time, Alan. You're welcome, thank you. So um, an amazing interview with Alan there. Amazing job in getting the interview, dude. So obviously on the uh, show floor, you're walking around, you're seeing a lot of stands, and Samsung and HP and, and Lenovo and other manufacturers are showing their wares, but they also have some really good Q&A sessions where you get to sit down and have a chat with some of the key people from these product areas. Yeah, as as uh, part of the media contingent, we've we've got access to info that I that I guess 
uh, or, or sessions that, that aren't normally available. So that's great. Uh, everything from, um, you know, people within R&D to their press and PR people, a whole mix of different people at different levels across the organisation. And uh, those have been really good. Now, the 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 buzz, I guess, that we've been catching really at CES this year, you know, um, in previous years there was a, you know, the, uh, going back a few years there was the buzz around netbooks and then it was around the uh, the Android tablets. But th- this year it's very much around uh, the Ultrabooks. And, um, you know, there does seem to be that, um, that, that big focus coming from the mainstream hardware manufacturers and even a lot of the smaller players around Windows and, you know, that look forward towards Windows 8. Uh, but also just beautiful looking machines that run Windows today that are thin and light, and that's where uh, you know where a lot of these guys have been playing with their uh, with their new Ultrabooks. Now, Ultrabooks is obviously a, I suppose, a standard or a framework that they're trying to implement, like they did with netbooks. And I think some of the key things that I'm really enjoying from what I'm seeing from the photos that you've been sending me sending me on the NZ Tech Podcast email address, but also we're seeing online, is the size of these things. I mean, some of these things are four or five mil thick. Is that what you're sort of seeing on the floor? You get your hands on with these things? Yes. Yeah, so we're seeing a whole lot of devices. Uh, of course, the you know Samsung Series Nine that. You know, we, we enjoyed so much last year. They've got a new iteration uh, of that that's come through. There, there are varying, um, you know, levels of new devices coming through from Samsung. Uh, HP, of course, showing off, uh, announcing some of their things through some of their events uh, that they've been having here. You know, what we're seeing is some of the stuff's on the show floor, some of the private functions that we're going to. Um, that, you know, there's a whole mix of, of what we're seeing in different places. Um and you know we had a nice uh, briefing with the Lenovo guys that uh, book, booked out um, a bar in one of the hotels, and we were really able to get up close and, and, and personal with a lot of their gear, um, in, including uh, one of the ones that we talked about uh, earlier, which was the um, um, Lenovo the Yoga. Uh, which is quite a fascinating machine. Now, normally you think of a, a a laptop, you can fold the screen, you know, close it down, and then you can fold it up to a certain point where it tilts up. But if you were to push it back too far, of course, you'd you'd snap the hinges. Which you haven't done, of course, have you? No, I've never done that. Um, but with the uh, with the yoga, you can actually flip the screen all the way back, um, so that. Um, uh, it sort of becomes a tablet, but you've still got a keyboard on the other side, but it's a sort of the keyboard automatically disables if you do that, and you can put it at various points like you know you can um, you can you can have it sort of um, so that you can um, you know lean it lean it against the keyboard and, and various configurations as touchscreen as well. So this is a fascinate, fascinating machine. Um, but yeah, a whole lot of netbooks and various other sizes. We also saw, and I think we might have mentioned this uh, in uh, episode fifty, the um, the fifty-five inch smart TV that uh, Lenovo have got that's running that Android uh, ice cream sandwich. Uh, that that was very cool. But Lenovo just have so many new machines across different form factors, some aimed at the consumers, some aimed at the business market. So from low price points to the medium and high sort of price points. And it was really good being able to actually get up and have a have a good look at these and, and uh, you know, do Q&As and, and, and learn a lot more about the, uh, you know, the, these new machines. And they've got PCs coming through as well, and they showed off some cool uh, touchscreen PCs, which again... You know, you can see that they're very much 
they're, they're setting the way for Windows 8 when that comes through, that they've got this great hardware that's, that's either already in the market or ready to go. Now, did they talk about, is this obviously for the for the Asian or Chinese market, or is it going to be global with a lot of these products? Most of the products are very much global, and, you know, Lenovo being the old PC division of uh, of, of IBM, uh, you know, they've got a big market share um, globally. In fact, recently they knocked Dell from that number two spot, so, you know, HP's the number one player in the, in the um, you know, in the computer market followed now by Lenovo and then uh, you know you got Acer and, and, and Dell in there as well um, and yeah they're working really hard to grow um, that market share and you know part of that is by by keeping that a broader variety of products um, a, a little bit like what uh, what HP's done for some time whether we'll see all of those products coming to New Zealand I don't know uh, but it, you know it is good to see them really touching all of the bases that are uh, that are relevant. All right, so um, you mentioned that you got to do a bit of a Q&A in this bar. Let's um, jump over to the interview. My first question, uh, what does Lenovo think of Windows 8? What does the opportunity it gave, you know, things like that? Um, well, I think it wouldn't surprise you to hear, we think Windows 8 looks like it's going to be a, a very exciting product, right? a very exciting piece of software. Uh, you've seen one of our devices uh, yoga right running windows 8 that product we intend to uh, launch with windows 7 actually first and then um, update to windows 8 you know we think windows 8 will offer the best experience um, so i think you won't find many people in the ecosystem you know saying saying otherwise we think windows 8 will be a great experience for, for our customers you played. Have you all had a chance to play with the yoga? Yes, yes. a little yeah. bit, right? Yeah, mm. it's got it's got like a new kind of a power plug. Yeah, it has a, a rectangular, yeah, yeah, square one because you know if we put a round one, the, the thickness with the the hinge, it would be you know too too thick. So that's mm -hmm. uh, a, a different solution to help us uh, get the very thin design. What's happening around docks? Because a lot of these new uh, devices are a lot thinner. We've got obviously the, you know more tablet type things coming through, mm -hmm. and you know thin and light. What are going to be the docking solutions that we would expect to sort of see in the future? Because you know, obviously in a business sort of situation, mm -hmm. that, um, people quite like just being able to dock everything in. But um, yeah, I am. You know, I'm from the uh, consumer uh, group, mm -hmm. so I'm not quite so. Uh, Authoritative on on the business side, but I assume you're thinking of you know, ThinkPads and the docking solutions mm. they have. Uh, that's a good question. You know, I mean, maybe we can grab someone later on to answer that more in depth. But you know, I would think that we're going to continue to offer docks, right? And the nature of those docks probably needs to change a little bit. Yeah. Um, you've got ultrabooks, and then you also have like ultra portable. So do you think how are you, how is Lenovo going to help the customers differentiate between the two and like? Uh, which one they would need for themselves. Uh, so when you say an ultra portable, you yeah. mean uh, a product that... Sounds similar to an ultra book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yes. Uh, it's just uh, words that uh, you guys in the industry have been throwing around. Mm. <laughs> so so I, you may have seen the new U310 and the U410, yeah. right? These were in, in their earlier, so these are different colored uh, uh, A covers, uh, different covers, right? Um, so those Ultrabooks are coming out in May, and they bring the price point down way below $1,000, right? So we're looking at a $700 price point with them. Um, we're calling them Ultra Notebooks 
um, rather than let's say ultra books because we're offer uh, a different different versions of them. We're offer a version which has a small SSD which will have the boot critical files in it, red windows and so on, so it can, it can boot fast, resume fast and meet the criteria for Ultrabook definition as defined. Sorry, it, it doesn't meet the criteria? No, it, it will, it would meet the criteria. Right? So we'll have a version with the SSD and then we're likely also to, to sell a, a version you know, without the SSD. So, so one will have SSD and regular hard drive which gives you a balance of performance and capacity and affordability. So that would be a very small SSD, like a 30 gig type thing? Yeah, it would, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then we're likely to sell a version without um, SSD as well. And I think you'll see that across the industry, to be honest. But you're, you said you're not calling them an Ultrabook, the U310 and U410? No, they are Ultrabooks, but okay. we will sell configurations as well, which are not in that spec. What happened to networks? Yeah, so netbooks having a tough time, right? And uh, has done for a while. Um, we're looking at that segment um, because Lenovo has not done very, very well in that segment, to be honest, in netbooks. Um, maybe Southeast Asia is a little bit different, but globally, we're not a very strong player in netbook compared to Zeus or Acer. Not necessarily a bad thing for us. Um, you may have seen next to Yoga, if you had a chance, a product called S200. So this is our, our kind of new take on, on Netbook for this year. We're calling it Mini Notebook. Right? So this is 11.6-inch panel. It's a pretty much a full-size keyboard. The construction quality is much better than a Netbook. Uh, you, you may have found you know, in your hand it feels a bit better quality. Uh, it's slimmer, it looks a bit slimmer as well, you know, in the middle it's slim, but on the edges it's tapered. Uh, the battery life is four hours and above, typical netbook it's really three hours unless you put a chunky battery on it, right? Um, so we're trying to lift the quality uh, of the netbook, you know, and bring it into a true mini notebook um, area, right? So we're trying to say, okay, our S-series, it's not just a cheap netbook, it's it's a more affordable, thin and light product than our U-series. It still looks nice, feels quite nice, battery's decent. It's still Atom-based, right? It's not intended to be a full productivity device, um, but it's trying to lift the quality of what we can put in the netbook segment, right? So, you know, some of our competitors may choose to go in there with, you know, cheapest chips, stuff, um, on 10-inch netbooks, but, but we want to go in there with a, a slightly more premium product. We think there's maybe a gap there. You seem to have a number of uh, products in the Android space that may not be available sort of globally. Um, in terms of the specs, for instance, of those um, Android tablets, uh, they're ARM-based. Is there any reason um, that you wouldn't be able to have maybe variations of those types of products running Windows? Eight um, after that comes out. Is that a space you like to play in? Is that the ARM-based um, tablets? Um, you know, I I can't speak very very much detail for tablets. Um, it's a different business group. But what we have today on show is obviously a lot of uh, Android-based um, tablets. I think general statement you will see in the industry. You know, tablets for other software solutions right, in the future. I think that's inevitable. Yeah. We saw the yoga. Is that, is that a direction that Lenovo is going to be taking for a lot of their future devices? <clears throat> 
Well, hybrids is an emerging product, right? An emerging segment. And it's one that two years ago at CES, we kind of began in many ways, right? With a product called U1 and the screen popped out. Um, we couldn't bring that product to market in the end, unfortunately. But what you see with the yoga today is the evolution of that. So um, do I think there will be more hybrid devices in the future? Yes, I think so. And I think we're going to see those fall in price point, just as we see Ultrabook coming down in price point. I think the hybrids will come down in price point. Um, we don't think that you know the tablet sector is going to be the kingmaker and destroy the PC business. Right? On the contrary, we think that yes, we need to play in tablets, and we're doing that. Um, but you know, some of our competitors have a big lead on us there. Um, we're strong in PC. We think that a hybrid category, you know, it's quite compelling if you get the fundamentals right. You know, a lot of people, if you get the right trade-off on the weight and the price, then why wouldn't you buy a device that's that's two-in-one as opposed to carrying, a, a, you know, a tablet and a notebook? You know, why, I think that's a compelling solution. Why, why couldn't you get the U1 into market? Um, the U1 was a, a concept product, right, which we showed two years ago. And uh, we wanted, uh, we can't go into and create a new product category like a hybrid with something that's not 100% ready, robust, can stand up to, you know, user usage, right? Heavy usage. So that's why we've rethought the concept. Uh, what we have with yoga, what you see with the hinge design is one of the critical innovation on the product uh, is, is very robust and, and has been heavily tested. So I'm going to have to keep this down to the last question. Really. The name of yoga is a service for the hybrid product or only the name of yoga is a name of just a product you're, you're looking at today. Right? Um, it's, it's Idea Pad Yoga. Yeah. So the name of the product is Idea Pad Yoga. Uh, the reason we call it yoga is because, as you may have seen, the four usage modes, right? And two of them are perhaps less publicized, so that's uh, this kind of mode here, which is quite good for you know, reading or in bed or something like that. And then also the tent mode, which I think is quite useful, uh, you know, for not just for home use, but for business use. You know, yesterday I was in a meeting on a very small table, one-to-one. -one. I was trying to use my clamshell regular notebook to show someone a presentation whilst I wanted to look at it at the same time. It's very hard, you can't see it. But with yoga as a tent mode, we have an IPS panel. That's a very wide viewing angle. You put it there on the side of the table, I can see it, you can see it. You know, that's a great application, you know, for, for work and for, for home use. So that's where the name comes from. Flexible and Flexible. bending. Cool. We have, uh, in the consumer space, we already have products with AMD, so some of our products are offered with AMD solutions. Um, because, you know, we're a global company, we've got to compete in many markets. So in some markets, we choose to enter more with AMD SKUs than we would with Intel SKUs. Um, so we continue to work with AMD, absolutely. So, um, yeah, well, well that, that kind of, I guess, sort of wraps up most of my coverage of, of 
you know what is officially sort of the, the day one of CES. Of course, we had the two days before with all the various other, it's all a blur. It's other all a blur. events. It's 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 pretty crazy. Um, w- now we'll try and do one more episode that sort of covers the. Um, um, you know, covers the remaining days of um, of of CES, but there, there's just been so much to see over these last few days. Um, we'll try and uh, we'll we'll try and squeeze the rest of the content into uh, into another episode to uh, uh, to wrap it up. So yeah, it's um, it's going to be a goodie. Cool. So um, that's it from the studio here in, in Auckland, Paul. Uh, we're going to have a good evening, get some sleep, my friend, and uh, take care from Las Vegas.